0: week in Revolt Black News, it's all about the endgame. Now as a decisive winner to this presidency gets closer and closer, we see two paths. One to the White House, the other to the courthouse. Now from lawsuits to recounts, this whole thing turned into a big old game real quick, right? Well actually no. See for some it's always been funny games, but never for us. Why? Well because our very lives are at stake and they've always been at stake. So as a supposed end-game draws nearer, remember this, it might be over for them, but for us, we are simply upon the brink of something completely new and exciting. That something ain't no game at all, y'all, because their end-game is simply our beginning. Welcome to Revolt Black News. I'm your host, Ebony K. Williams. Now it's been a huge week with the general election, so we've got a lot to break down and get into into today's show. To start things off, the host of Daily Blast Live, Lindsey Granger, is with us to moderate our first discussion. Thank you, Lindsey.
1: Thanks, Ebony. Lindsey Granger here with two amazing guests that are gonna break down these crazy election results. So first, joining us is the host of Woke AF Daily Podcast and the podcast Democracy-ish, Danielle Moody, and then a Republican that supported Joe Biden. Yes, I said that right, he supported Joe Biden and used to run the RNC, so it's a huge deal, Michael Steele. Now, we're discussing this at the time of recording, and of course, things can be updated and changed throughout the day, so we're just giving you the latest Details, but stay tuned for updated information. Were you guys surprised, especially after President Trump said that he wouldn't claim victory sooner than he actually knew that he was victorious? I want to start with you, Michael Steele.
2: No, I wasn't surprised. I mean, this is this is the Trumpian way, Um, and and the idea that I mean, look, the man had just held a a political event in the White House. I mean. <laughs> so, I mean, when you just you know, when that's your backdrop for all you are doing, um, it doesn't surprise you when he comes out and declares that he's the winner and he wants the the counting to stop, even though there was no more counting. It was you know, no more voting, rather, um, but there was counting. So, look, the, the reality of it is, the president has known for some time uh, from the folks I've talked to; they have told him that the numbers would be tight, um, and the, the expectation was that at the end they would not be good. Um, what you saw, um, and it was very clear, he came off the prompter. He was not reading what was in front of him. He was telling us what he was really feeling. He was angry, he was frustrated, and he wanted to declare himself the winner, and he did. Um, so, you know, that's, you know, the last dying gasp of uh, an authoritarian wannabe.
1: Now, Danielle, I know that you saw that the president came out well after two o'clock in the morning to announce his quote unquote victory. Um, What were your thoughts on that? And how do we move forward if President Trump is the president? And then also if Biden is the president?
3: So remember that Donald Trump has been telling us what he was going to do for months now. He told us uh, months ago that he was not interested in a democracy that he would had his lawyers on the ready. It was the reason why Amy, ba- uh, Amy Coney Barrett was rammed through the Supreme court that and healthcare, um, to take away from people in the midst of a pandemic. And so I, we, we shouldn't be surprised because everything that Donald Trump has said that he was going to do, he has done right. And so the reality is, is that like Michael said, It's like the Hatch Act doesn't even exist anymore. We're just doing political (laughs) events and political conventions and doing the most at the White House that is supposed to be for the people. Um, So, you know, for for me, what we have to understand and what is what's still um, upsetting is the fact that Mitch McConnell is still in control of the Senate. That is going to be a problem for Joe Biden moving forward when Uh, He becomes the president elect because we know that Mitch McConnell has referred to himself as the Grim Reaper. He has 400 bills from Nancy Pelosi in the House of Representatives sitting in a trash can uh, next to his desk. So we still are a very fractured country with a Democratic president. But to Michael's point, we will have an American president again and not a dictator. So that in and of itself will begin some much necessary healing.
1: Let's talk about Texas, North Carolina, and Georgia. I was surprised by those three states in the same way that I was surprised that Florida just was immediately red. And so those are red states that are turning purple. So tell me what you guys made of those results. I know Texas ultimately went to Trump, but we're still waiting for Georgia, and the results could be leaning towards Biden.
2: Yeah, I think, you know, from my perspective, uh, let's start with Texas. Democrats have been very effective at building a relationship with voters, getting them used to voting for Democrats, all right? Because that's a big part of it. People underestimate the value of actually getting people to vote for you. <laughs> it's, a, it's a very <laughs> personal thing. As much as we've kind of slough it off, oh, my God, I want to stand in line, and oh, my God, you know, I don't like this candidate. People take their voting very personally. And so if I'm going to get a Democrat to vote for a Republican, I got to work that. If I'm going to get a Republican to vote for a Democrat in a state like Texas, I got to work that. And so you've seen that work now um, manifest itself in in the 2018 cycle where Beto O'Rourke came that close um, to unseating Ted Cruz. Um, And then again, to this election cycle where you have, um, you know, everyone sitting there in front of their televisions on election night going, oh, my God, is Texas going to go blue you would never have had that conversation 20 years ago. People are like, oh, yeah, all right, move on. But that tells you what, what the Democrats, to their credit, have done um, in winning at the local level, getting voters used to voting for their issues um, and, and supporting their candidates in a way that, I, as I predicted a year ago, Texas, this is the last time Republicans will hold Texas in their column. It is it twenty twenty-four, Texas will be a battleground state. And that will be a problem for
1: Republicans. Danielle, I want to ask you specifically, did both campaigns do a good job targeting African Americans and people of color? Because I know that African Americans and people in urban cities are probably going to be the ones that take Biden to the finish line if he does make it to the finish line. But a lot of people said, Hey, listen, you left us largely out of your campaign, told Ice Cube I'll get to you later. And also with that platinum plan that President Trump put out, everybody knows it was a bunch of fluff. So, therefore, how did they do with campaigning to this base that's gonna really take it over the top? I mean, the reality is, is that Democrats consistently
3: overlook um, people of color. They do they do not do the type of investment in black communities that they need to do until the 11th hour. And that has always been the case. It has always been the pattern. Right. And I'll say this about Donald Trump and his platinum plan. Rappers are not a uh, rappers are not a policy plan right? Calling something platinum is not a policy plan. You know, like it is, it's just and, and also like bullet points, not a policy plan, like a plan is a binder, you know, like with with actual paper with words in there, Kelly McEnany doesn't do that either. She just presents binders with Xerox paper that is blank. If Biden wins, it will be because of black people in Detroit, in Atlanta, in Philadelphia. Um, and and, and where where were they Georgia You know all of the mm-hmm. all of those places It will be because of black people But we still have commentators talking about Do you think it was You know Do you think black people really showed up And I'm just like Why don't we talk about how racist white suburban women are That that's a conversation that we could be having But you know And let's be clear
1: That statement. That statement comes because 55% of them voted in this election. Mm-hmm. Thank, according you. To early thank polls, you. According to early polls for President Trump, that means they doubled down plus some from what they, they did games. in 2016.
2: <laughs> I just don't trust the white vote. I said, because they're not they're, they're always going to vote their interest. And that ain't us. That ain't necessarily the country either, if you're voting for Donald Trump. So I just thank you, ladies. I appreciate y'all clarifying
0: that <laughs> All right, what an incredible conversation taking place. We're going to pick it back up a little bit later in the show. But now we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we have your headlines. We've got more Revolt Black News after this. Welcome back to Revolt Black News. Here are today's headlines. Now, with everybody awaiting the results, the final results of this presidential election, all attention was on the very tight race in Arizona last night as even more votes trickled in. The Pro-Trump protesters showed up at a couple of ballot counting facilities across the country, asking for the counting to be stopped. Stop, stop, stop. Stop, stop, stop. Stop, stop, and aside from the presidency, history was made in the United States Congress when Cory Bush won her race from Missouri's first congressional district, making her the first Black woman to represent the state of Missouri in the United States House of Representatives. Now Bush's win comes with a substantial margin, by receiving almost 79% of the total vote. Listen, y'all, I hope you caught my conversation with Cory last week on the show, and if you didn't, I really actually suggest you go back and watch it. And you need to read up on this sister. You need to know about Cory Bush. Uh, not only is she the future of Washington, I think in many ways Cory might represent the future of this country. Uh, not because she always wanted to be a politician. Actually, because of the opposite. Um, she never thought she'd enter politics, uh, but then with the killing of Mike Brown and all of the uprising in Ferguson, she found her calling. She found opportunity and she took it. I say she's the future of Washington and potentially this country. And, and listen, Washington needs to look at Cory Bush. This country needs to look at Cory Bush and they need to see how she's moving because certainly she is indicative of what's to come. Congratulations, Cory. Congrats are also in order for every member of the so-called squad. Yep, congratulations to Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez of New York, Ilhan Omar of Minnesota, Ayana Pressley of Massachusetts, and Rashida Tlaib of Michigan. All four Congresswomen retain their seats. Congratulations to all of you. Okay, so now over to the U.S. Senate. With no candidate reaching the required 50% threshold, Georgia's Senate special election will go to a runoff in January. There, Democrat Raphael Warnock will face off against the appointed Republican incumbent, Kelly Leffler. And big issues made big moves on the ballot as well, especially in terms of legalizing marijuana. Now, the states of Arizona, Montana, New Jersey, and South Dakota all voted yes in favor of recreational marijuana use. And the state of Mississippi voted in favor of medical marijuana programs for patients with debilitating conditions. Uh, again, y'all would be remiss if you don't go back and check out the episode of Revolt Black News that was all about cannabis. We aired it on August 20th. This is important, y'all. This green rush could mean a lot for our people. Uh, in a place where we have been disproportionately incarcerated, uh, cut off from our families and economic opportunity because of cannabis, marijuana, weed, bud, whatever you want to call it. Y'all, we need to know that now as these states start legalizing cannabis, recreationally and medicinally, We're looking at a potential $100 billion industry over the next seven years. I don't know if we're ever going to get reparations in this country the way we so deserve it. But I'm telling our people, try to get in on this cannabis industry now. It could be the perfect opportunity to have some kind of reparations. And in the state of California, voters rejected Proposition 25. It was a ballot measure to abolish cash bail so that judges can instead use risk assessments to decide whether or not a defendant should be freed pre-trial. Bail is a complicated industry. It's mainly uh, complicated because there's such financial interest, uh, bail bond companies and things like that, that simply don't have any incentive to abolish bail systems as we know it. Uh, Here's the other thing, though. Uh, When we talk about these risk assessments being used in lieu of cash bail, we could be trading one evil for another. We uh, got data show from uh, a lot of different studies, even uh, studies at MIT have shown that when they do these risk assessment uh, algorithms by judges who are subjective people, racial bias can be at play. Both Harvard and MIT's research back this finding up. So again, we just want to make sure that as we're looking at what cash bail and pretrial release looks like in this country, we need to be constantly thinking of better and better solutions. Now, listen, we're going to get to the voter turnout in just a second. But a big, huge shout out to LeBron James and Michael Jordan, who both joined the $27 million initiative from Mike Bloomberg to pay the fees and fines for former Florida felons so that they could exercise their right to vote in this election. Listen, y'all, we always knew that this particular election was going to be all about voter turnout. Uh, I'm so incredibly proud to say that we had almost 160 million Americans cast their ballots in this election, making it the highest voter turnout in United States history. Listen, y'all, we not only showed up, but we showed out for this election. We blew up the entire internet on Twitter, on Instagram. Everybody was flexing with their I voted stickers. Y'all, this is what it looks like. This is democracy at play. This is what happens when we participate and we don't sit tacitly silent and let other people do our talking. I'm so proud of us. I'm so proud of the culture for being such a historic part of this election turnout. Listen, there's plenty of work, though, to still be done, y'all. Uh, there's potentially U.S. Senate runoff races that are going to go on in Georgia and other places. So let's keep this energy and let's keep our feet on the gas. All right, y'all, that's it for today's headlines. Now, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, Lindsay Granger is going to continue her conversation with Danielle Moody and Michael Still about the election results. We've got more Revolt Black News after this.
1: Welcome back to Revolt Black News. I'm Lindsey Granger here with Danielle Moody and Michael Steele. Now, I want to get right into it. There are lawsuits flying left and right, one in Michigan and other states. Do these lawsuits have any merit at all? No, they don't. <laughs> you, like a law- I'm, not
3: a, I'm not a, I'm not a lawyer, right? Like, I, you know, I just watch Law & Order on television, but I'm pretty sure you need to have grounding in facts yes. in order to bring something before a judge. Right. Nothing illegal has even has has happened at all for them to say that there's something wrong other than the fact that we are counting votes right now and they don't want us to count votes. That's it.
1: In some cities, they want you to count in some, don't count in the others. Right. Well, there you go. That's
2: that's the point. They want you to count in Nevada and in Arizona, but they don't want you to count in Georgia and Philadelphia. Then you'll put it right on the head. Um, You got to have uh, a case in controversy. In other words, there has to have been some um, uh, controversial act Uh, and counting. The last time I checked was not an illegal act. In fact, it is a required act (laughs) from from voting.
1: What do you think, Danielle, will happen in Wisconsin? Those were won by thousands, you know, countable thousands of votes by Trump in 2016 and even by Bush years ago. So what do you think the outcome will be there? Will there be a recount? I mean, if he wants to spend his
3: money, um, but you know, when, when Donald Trump decides <laughs> to spend money, it's usually our money. Um, it's usually right. the taxpayers money, uh, that he's using. But the reality is, again, you need to have standing in order for these things to happen. You need to have some type of discrepancy. And so Fine. He wants to do a recount. He wants to pay the three million dollars in order to do it. We can recount what we already know to be true. And that'll be fine. Let him be humiliated twice. You know, I'm 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 fine with that. But, you know, the reality is, is that we are always going to have very close elections. We're not in a space anymore where we're going to have these landslide things. So you're going to need you're going to see people win by 10,000 votes, 70,000 votes, 80,000 votes in certain places. That's why we tell everybody that they need to vote because their
1: vote actually matters. Now, this race wasn't only about the presidential election. Obviously, there were House, there were propositions, Senate on there. So when we talk about the House. It looks like it's going to go and be democratic controlled, but when we talk about the Senate, it looks like the Republicans might take over there. What do you guys think were the deciding factors in those races?
2: It does say something to me, though, that um, Republicans gain seats in in this in this election mm-hmm. cycle. Um, I believe I heard Danielle a touch a touch on it um, in some of her interviews and some others, but there's some there's a rot beneath the surface. That we need to get, we need to really kind of pull the carpet back and look at that floorboard, (laughs) Uh because termites and all kinds of bad, nasty stuff is happening at the core of our of our democracy. Think about this: almost fifty percent. We'll put it this way: seventy million Americans voted for a white supremacist for president of the United States the american people did not punish our elected officials for their mishandling of coronavirus for their mishandling of of um our economy for their mishandling of race issues and other social issues um says a lot in fact they were rewarded by increasing. And I'm saying this as a Republican. And, you know, for me, it's all about the party. You want that partisan advantage so that you can go and push for your kind of policies. Well, we're not pushing for policies. We're a party without a platform. We stand for nothing right now except Donald Trump, which is why I took the position I took, because that's not me and that's not what I joined, and I refuse to be a part of it. 55% of your white women voted for that. Come on. 58% 58% of your white men voted for that. So I think, we, I think when I look at this, I, that's where I kind of go in the conversation. The metrics are the metrics. I'm trying to look at the rot.
1: How do we move forward? I want to end with this and start with Michael. How do we move forward on who wins and then what happens after that?
2: Facing who we are. And, and, and instead of, you know, criticizing and concerning ourselves with the plank in our neighbor's eye, uh, look at and, and deal with the plank in our own. Uh, and that is, that is also internal to the black community. It's internal to all communities and it's internal to us as a nation. We have to, we have to get right with ourselves. Our leaders are a reflection of us. They're an extension of us. They represent us, they voice for us. And so the type of leadership we put out there represents the type of people we are, you know, or aspire to be. So that's why, for me, when I looked at these two men at this moment, um, the words of Dr. King um, sort of struck me upside the head. It, it just really kind of flashed, open my eyes. You know, when he when he, he reminded us, we begin to die the day that we do not, you know, move towards those things that matter. We don't take action on those things that matter, and this country matters. It matters to me. I know it matters to all of you, and it should matter to those 70 million Americans um, who somehow think that, you know, what we have been doing is good. You know, not to put a lot of pressure on Joe Biden. He's just a man. He's flawed. And, you know, he's going to piss some people off. We know that. You know, that's that's the job. Okay, But my hope is that in in that what we've seen in him is something that will come through for the rest of us that we are all willing to at least recognize that we've got work to do
3: but I want every headline to say Black America saved America from itself, right? Like because that that you want to talk about healing. Let's start with the recogni- recognition uh, recognition of who put in the work, who was standing in line for seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven hours with their babies in the rain, you know, uh, with wheelchairs in order to get this done. Right? It was Black America that will have tipped the scale if, if, and when we get to the president elect. So let's start with the acknowledgement. And so that we can towards the healing, right? Because we, again, we cannot fix things that we refuse to look at. And America has refused to look at how racist it truly is. But knowing that 70 million people, 70 million people are totally okay with Donald Trump tells you where we are. So we have to start there. We have to start with that fact of why you refuse health care so long as black and brown people don't get it you refuse, you know, things so long as black and brown, so long as you can point to the black and brown person down the street that doesn't have it. That is fundamentally what is wrong with white America. And that needs to be addressed. It's not something we can continue to look away from because as Michael said, we've been looking away from it for 401 years, right? It's time it's time to it's time to face the truth so that we can begin to move forward.
1: Danielle Moody, Michael Steele, thank you for the incredible conversation.
2: Thank, thank
0: you. you. Thanks for having us. panel. Thank you so much for your time and your insight, and for really going deep to understand these election results. We appreciate you and your time. All right, we got to take another quick break, and when we come back, Isaac Hayes III gives us his insight and analysis on this election's results. We've got more Revolt Black News after this. Welcome back to Revolt Black News. Now, we're going to have another conversation about these election results. This time, we're joined by a very special guest. Now, you all know and love him as an incredible music producer, and he is that. But here at Revolt Black News, we also love him as a dear, dope political pundit. Welcome back to the show, Brother Isaac Hayes III. Welcome back, Isaac.
4: How you doing? What's up,
0: Yep. Listen, you know how... I- I wanna know how you feel. Like, here's the thing, Isaac. It's a it's a I feel like it's been the longest three days of my life. <laughs> I don't know how you feel. Uh we're we're two days removed from this November 3rd election. Uh highest voter turnout in American history. So we'll get into that. Uh but just yep. off jump, how you feeling? Biden's close to 270. Uh Trump's doing a whole lot, uh suing everybody and their mama, uh, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Georgia. Um, how you feeling right now, Isaac?
4: I feel good. I mean, everything, you know, it looks like, you know, most of these states he's going to pull out through mail-in vote, uh, and that's dope, Mm -hmm. you know, ready to get orange up out of there.
0: It looks like uh, Biden and Kamala are going to pull this thing off by the skin of their teeth. But I talked about the the lawsuits, Isaac, and I want to know what you think. We know Trump is actively right now working to sue the state of Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Georgia to stop the ballot counts in those states. Uh, what's your reaction to that? We knew
4: Donald Trump was going to sue because Donald Trump is a crybaby. You know, he's a, a sore loser, a poor sport, mm-hmm. low man of character. Um, and this is exactly what uh, was expected. Even even Bernie Sanders knew. Bernie Sanders nailed it to a T, like exactly to well, the yeah, point Yeah, we saw Trump that viral did. clip. Yes, absolutely.
0: This is where people got to pay attention to Trump. But this man is mm-hmm. literally proactively trying to silence American voices. This man does not want every vote counted because like you say, he's a crybaby. He doesn't want to lose. And I just, I just want people to put a pin in that as we reflect back on who Trump was um, historically in this country. Isaac, I'm going to ask you this. Uh, There were a lot of black voters that voted for Biden. I want to ask you, do you think these votes were primarily people that were pro Joe Biden? Do you think these were people that were maybe pro Kamala Harris? Do you think these were people just were anybody but Donald Trump.
4: Let's say this first. If and when uh Joe Biden wins Georgia, it will be because mm-hmm. of the black vote. It will be because of Atlanta, Georgia, mm-hmm. Savannah, Georgia, yeah. Columbus, Georgia, and the places in Philadelphia and Michigan that might pull that have pulled him ahead in Michigan, Lansing, Detroit, Philadelphia, um, uh, uh Pittsburgh. You know what I'm saying? So the black mm-hmm. vote is what's going to pull Joe Biden out of this. Even in, I think, uh, in Scottsdale, Arizona, there's a large black population that came and turned out to vote. So when this is all said and done, the black vote is going to be the equalizer, if not the the, the vote that brings Joe Biden over the top. And so that's very important to say, especially even in Atlanta, Georgia, with our Mayor Keisha Lance Bottom. she was the first person to come out for Joe Biden. For sure. And I think um, she deserves a lion's share of the credit when this city... Puts uh, Georgia over the top because there's Georgia and there's Atlanta, and right now Atlanta is showing right. up in a big way. To pull Biden over the top, but I think I think most of the people that are voting that are black are really just over Donald Trump. Like I think I think mm-hmm. they really realize this guy that doesn't have the community in mind. You know, what I'm saying he doesn't believe his platinum plan was a two two page flyer like a nightclub. It really didn't, you know, resonate well at all. It was not very well thought out. Right. It had a bunch of mm-hmm. it had a bunch of big words in there that didn't really mean anything. And him being the president at the time, everything that was in his platinum plan, he could have signed an executive order to do, and he didn't do it. So it let you know his authenticity and there what he go. really meant. So it didn't bother me at all. So I like it. Doesn't. I'm not worried about that. But I think the black community was just tired of Donald Trump.
0: Yeah. You make very good points about Atlanta and Georgia as a state. You know, it's been a very long time since Georgia went blue in a presidential election. And I think a large part is absolutely uh, Mayor Keisha Lance Bottom, for sure. Early supporter of Biden, as you say. But also, I think it's residual uh, impact of Stacey Abrams, Isaac. I think I think uh, Atlanta and those big uh, yeah, black populist parts of Georgia were robbed of, of a Governor Abrams. I think they haven't forgotten mm-hmm. about it. And I think that this was their opportunity that they seized. And I'm extremely proud of the black voter turnout in Georgia in particular, uh, because they weren't going to let it happen again. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and I think that is important.
4: Yeah. I mean, the new Georgia project has been registering voters since she lost. So they yeah. really deserve credit too, for actually activating the base to be involved in the upcoming election. And I really hope that Stacey Abrams runs for governor again, because once we get Georgia blue, we're going to double back with these two Senate races. with John Ossoff, if he can pull below 50 percent and, and Raphael mm-hmm. Warnock, really try to take the Senate and then put Abrams in office as a governor. And that would change so much about this state and so much about this country. Oh, yeah. So absolutely.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. That's too. Now, you also make a really important point that I want to really circle back to, Isaac. And that is that a large part, if if indeed and it looks like he will be the next president, Joe Biden's going to have a lot of of. of I don't want to say, oh yeah, he's going to owe the black community. I, I feel you know, starting even no, with his gonna, nomination,
4: he's going to owe the black community absolutely. He's going to owe the black community. I think I think Biden is a man of his word. I think, um, Kamala in office, you know, they'll work well together to make sure that um, you know uh, the African American community is acknowledged. There's opportunity. I mean, that's what government is all about. It's about putting people in power, right? That can write policy on your behalf, and so. I think, yep. you know, I don't know, you know, the the the, the economic plan for America that, that Biden had for black America um, has a lot of great stuff in it. And so I think, you know, he'll deliver on his promise and we'll make sure of that.
0: Well, that's what I was going to ask you. I mean, he's he has has still actively the lift every voice plan and, and things of this nature. If you could have one thing in the first 100 days of Biden and uh, Biden's administration, uh, VP Kamala Harris, Isaac, What's the one thing you would want them to deliver on first?
4: I think coming off the heels of this Trump administration, there has to be some legislation brought forward with police brutality. Criminal, you know, okay. I, I think, I think uh, police reform. I don't, know, I don't know about defunding the police, but there needs to be some sort of reallocation of funds that uh, de-escalate the uh, potential opportunity for officers to, to engage with the African-American community where there's potential violence. We need community policing. We need a total shift in the way that um, policing is done in this country. And I feel like it needs to really start there because that's really w- what's been at the forefront um, of 2020 besides this pandemic is Black Lives Matter and the death of George Floyd mm-hmm. and of mm-hmm. um, Arbery and Rayshard Brooks. Breonna Taylor, Atlanta. So yeah. Yes, absolutely, Breonna Taylor. So I think first and foremost, to address how law enforcement deals with people of color needs to be first and foremost.
0: Uh, I would love them to, to, to do that as well, Isaac, and specifically, as I've been saying now for years, change that use of deadly force standard. It cannot just be any officer's reasonable uh, made up reason of fear that they just pull out of their ass, which is what we have no. now.
4: Yeah. They need to follow Gavin Newsom, what he did in California. Gavin Newsom exactly. rolled back. He rolled back. use of Yes.
0: Yep. It's gotta be necessity. That's it. And California has modeled that. That's exactly right. Isaac. Absolutely. All right. Listen, we're going to take one last commercial break and then we're going to pick this conversation back up where we left off. We've got more revolt black news after this. Welcome back to Revolt Black News. Now we're going to pick things back up where we left them off with Isaac Hayes III. Um, now I want to ask you about uh, your fellow brethren, uh, the black male vote in this election. Uh, I was on The Breakfast Club this week uh, and I, I was speaking to my good friend Charlemagne the He's like, listen, e, you know, black men, we want to be spoken to directly from this Democratic Party. I think there's a segment of, of black men, Isaac, that don't feel the party speaks to them directly. That doesn't feel that the party is putting their needs uh, on the same level as, say, even black women or the LGBTQ community or or uh, the Hispanic community. What's your message to the Democratic Party, Isaac, as to how to be more connected to black men, how to speak more concretely to black men, how to basically win? Uh, 98% of black men back to the party because right now I'm calling black men the new swing voter and that's not a, an insult to me. Uh, to me it's more of an Correct. indictment of the party.
4: I agree and disagree only from the perspective of being someone that's lived in Atlanta my whole life and seen the Democratic mm-hmm. Party work on behalf of black people as black Democrats so I think that black men need to find local leaders right, local mm-hmm. Democrats in their community to hold accountable first. I think black men as a whole portion that mm-hmm. did vote for Trump don't understand the relationship or the connection with the Democratic Party in their local uh, regions. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? They're not dealing with mayors and aldermen and city and city council members and governors and police mm-hmm. chiefs in that fashion to understand that. That's how you get democracy to work on your behalf.
0: You better say that, Isaac. Amen to that. Um, a lot of times. Uh, I don't believe in waiting for people to offer things to me. That's just me personally. Uh, I like to tell people what I want, you know, proactively, as you as you just alluded to. Um, here's the thing, Isaac. We know that we probably will not have a conclusive result about this election because Wisconsin will probably have a recount. They won't finish until December. A whole bunch of stuff is going to happen over before the new year. What happens to Black America in that time period in terms of do you expect this to be a civil war type of situation with uh, violence and anarchy in the streets? Do you expect uh, a sense of peacefulness, hopeful anticipation? Uh, where is Black America in the next two months as we await the final outcome of this election? I think that's up to the
4: President of the United States. I think it's up to how Donald mm. Trump handles the situation. If he calms his base down, who we'll drive around in pickup trucks and 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 block people in and try to intimidate people and you know, protest in front of uh, uh, sites where they're counting votes, he's going to have to call the dogs off, per se. Um, yeah, not yeah. us. You know, we are, we are going to celebrate a victory. We are going to have Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Year's, and we're going to party and we're going to dance, you know what I'm saying? And we're going to enjoy what we that can yeah. dealing, dealing with this COVID, but it's up to Donald Trump, him being the loser, right? Um, the lame mm-hmm. duck president at this point to calm his base down. Now, if he wants to go out that way as a guy that Spark racial uh, racial unrest and violence against people after he lost. That's his legacy. And it'll fall on his shoulders and that blood will be on his hands if that happens. I hope not.
0: I hope not. But and I certainly hope it's not going to be bloodshed, but I wouldn't put it past our country, sadly. And I certainly wouldn't put it past this president. And and I think so much of his legacy is already what you just described, Isaac, for me. I mean, starting with sh- walking down the, uh, that elevator in Trump Towers and calling our uh, Latino and Latinas brothers and sisters uh, rapists and murderers to good people on both sides of Charlottesville massacre, uh, to telling the Proud Boys to stand back and stand by. Uh, this president's legacy to me is cemented. And I think you're predicting something potentially very real, which is that he will uh, go out with he'll burn it all down on his way out. Right. I really believe that right. Isaac, and, and I hate that but that's who I know the man to be all right as usual Isaac thank you brother for your time your insight your brilliant analysis we appreciate you and hope to see you back soon now with Joe Biden nearing the 270 electoral votes that he needs to become the United States 46th president there's also plenty of attention as to what Donald Trump is plotting to do to keep his seat in the White House so let's take a look at what Trump's doing now what Trump could do later, and what Trump could do very well as his last resort. Listen, we hope he doesn't get to that, but we have to cover all our bases. So let's start with something cordial, a recount. Now the Trump campaign has already stated that they are going to call for a recount of Wisconsin as the margin of victory falls within the 1% point that permits a recount. Now listen, this is actually quite normal. It's par for the course. Any campaign would do this in a close race. But here's the thing. These recounts typically only make a difference when the margin is a couple hundred votes. And here, Biden has won this state by 20,000 votes. So while this recount likely will do nothing to change the actual results of Biden winning Wisconsin, it certainly can delay the process. And that's because Wisconsin Election Commission has until December 1st to certify all the votes. So we could be looking at a Wisconsin recount in December. All right, now to the lawsuits, and not the ones that are against the president for corruption, but these are the ones the Trump campaign has filed in Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Georgia for a variety of reasons. Now, Trump wants to halt vote counting in Georgia and Pennsylvania to refute ballots that were received after the election day. His campaign also wants access for Republican observers in Michigan to make sure the ballots have been counted properly. So look in general. Ever since mail-in ballots became the presumptive option during this pandemic, Trump has done his very best to start touting, casting doubt to fraud and uh, corruption and all of this anticipating a potential loss. Now, despite his own personal history of very much so voting by mail in Florida. Now, in terms of the outcomes of these lawsuits, it seems extremely unlikely that they'll do much, particularly in the state of Pennsylvania, where the GOP already lost that case last week. Yes, the Supreme Court of Pennsylvania said that as long as a ballot was postmarked by November 3rd, it would have the opportunity to be counted up to three days after receipt. Now, Trump has also expressed that he intends on taking all of this to the Supreme Court, but exactly what argument, uh, his standing to be able to do that is very unclear. Legally, I don't really see it. Now, what we do know about the Supreme Court is that it currently sits with a Republican supermajority, and that, of course, is because of the three trump nominees that trump put on the court in his first term now that supermajority could rule in his favor but again there's no real clear path to how trump even gets to the supreme court but you know the old saying y'all never say never um if it does get to the supreme court we should be very worried because that supreme court would of course favor trump again never say never we have to watch and see what happens to see if he even gets to the supreme court Now, another option down the line is when the electors officially cast their electoral votes in mid-December. Now, for example, Michigan has a law that prohibits what we call faithless electors, meaning that the electors must cast their vote to represent the popular vote of the state. But there are 17 states that do not bind their electors, which does include Wisconsin. So it is possible that Trump goes hard on Wisconsin and some of their electors deviate from the popular vote with no penalty. Now, again, it's possible. It's legal. It's unlikely. But never say never. Also, depending on Biden's road to 270, all of this could be moot. And there's one final scenario that many have forewarned us about, and that is the peaceful or in this case, likely unpeaceful transition of power. Now, Trump will likely continue to berate this election process, say that he's still president, stake his place in the White House come January and simply decide not to leave. Now that might sound crazy, but we all have to remember, this is a man who was asked about a peaceful transition of power upon him losing this election several times this election season, and he never answered the question, he never agreed to a peaceful transition. So many have rightfully responded to saying that this might actually come down to the military having to remove this man from the White House. The logistics of that, of course, remain unclear and quite murky. So what will happen? What will Trump do? Well, just like you, we're going to continue to watch, to read, and most importantly, to act. Y'all, we have to keep this energy and we must move our country forward. All right, y'all. So listen, let's forget about the election results for just a couple seconds, because the real results that matter here is this turnout. It's us, y'all. We showed up and we showed out. Y'all, I don't know the numbers and the stats just yet, but they don't even matter. What I know is that we did the damn thing. So regardless of who takes office, what is clear to me is that when we show up for ourselves, we show up for one another. And listen, for those of us who didn't show up for each other, didn't even show up for themselves, I hate to see it. And it's truly a damn shame. But if there's one thing to take away from this election, take this. Elections always reveal more about its people than it does about its president. So I ask you, black people, are you proud? Because I know I am. For Revolt Black News, I'm Ebony K. Williams. See you next time.